Get in the cart. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast. And just like that, summer flies by. We are very far into fall. And we've even introduced winter, Andy. Yeah. Uh, it got introduced on the uh, on Halloween. Then yeah. It got nice again. I mean, just typical, <laughs> typical Illinois. It's so, Illinois. Do you know today is National Pickle Day? No. Do you like pickles? I like dill pickles. I don't like the sweet, sweet butter, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I only like sweet on hot dogs. I mean, that's, that's good. Good offset with mustard, but... Yeah, yeah, kosher dill, spicy pickle. They sell those, I think, at Disney World. At Disneyland, they have spicy pickles. They have normal ones, and it's kind of like the ones you would get at Jimmy John's or something, like the big chunk of a pickle. You'd have to be kind of a psychopath to like just gnaw on those by themselves. Yeah, I'm going to cut it up, yeah. make it work. But it's all good for the Party of Four podcast. Welcome back. <laughs> Shout out fans in Germany if you're still listening. Went off the rails in the first 30 seconds. Hey, that's what we do. Yep. But winter, like you said, we got a little little kiss of it on Halloween, made for some interesting trick-or-treating, but kids battled through, got a good haul of candy, yeah. and the dome is open. The dome is open. It opened on November 1st. Um, it's... It's back and better than ever. Uh, we have a really cool feature now, kind of a little tiki bar right as you walk in into the dome. Um, but, yeah, we're rocking. New balls. Everything's working well. I, re- I mean, the, the dome's ready to go. The The menu, man, I forgot how good the food is over there. Holy <laughs> smoke. What's your favorite? Uh, the turkey sandwich. club. The turkey club is Literally one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. And I forgot how good it was until the first day we were open. And me and Frank were sitting there looking at each other like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> it's smoked turkey. They smoke it the same way you'd smoke, like, brisket or whatever. So they smoke it. Then they have these big, fatty slices. Like, they don't go, they don't, they don't gimp it. They It's huge, huge slices. Avocado, it's like. The right like amount of mayo, bacon. It's just like it's gorgeous. It's so good. Fills you up. And that's coming from a guy who enjoyed the Dagwood Club here at McCarthy's Tavern. True. Which was an over the top sandwich. But this one's a very manageable this yeah, lunchtime, this dinner you time. Can fit in both hands. Yeah. And you can actually fit it in your mouth and it's amazing. Yeah. It's good. Amazing. I always like to start with chili at the sports bar over there. I think Frank, Big Frank's a big fan of the chili over there as well. Chili's good. It's a good easy uh it's a good easy eat. You know, that would be something that I would think would be kind of in a regular rotation here. I mean, who really wants beef uh or not beef, oh, was it broccoli cheddar? I enjoy the broccoli cheddar. Do you? I mean, yeah. what's, what's the worth there? It's not good. I like the broccoli cheddar. I think what makes it interesting is you never know how much broccoli you're going to get. Is it going to be more of a creamy soup or is it going to be more of a broccoli soup that day? But the cheese always shines through (laughs) and everyone talks about, oh, Panera has broccoli. No, no. You get chef made broccoli cheddar soup here. It's a game changer. So I'm not personally a French onion guy and ours is off the rails here. If we had chili every day, would it not be better? I would love having chili here every day. And I feel like I've asked the chefs about that. I'll have to 
talk to them again why we don't do that. But <laughs> I'm sure they would love to hear your feedback. It's not the, hey, we should do <laughs> hey, this. The guy that eats here for free every day. Hey, everybody, stop everything. The guy that eats here for free every day, make sure to get his feedback on the food. Yeah, I'm sure they'd love that. Anything they make is delicious. So <laughs> if I could push them one way or the other to get what I would like to be fed, it's always a win. <laughs> yeah. But it is good to see you because Andy was out of town the duration of last week in Texas. Mm-hmm. What were you doing? Well, everyone thought I was on vacation. <laughs> uh, but no, I um, I serve in the Illinois PGA as on the executive board as secretary. So uh, sec- there's secretary, then eventually vice president, then president. Uh, so we go down to... Wherever the location is, uh, this year it was in Frisco. Next year it'll be in Grand Rapids, Michigan, randomly. Um, but it's a chance for all 41 sections of the PGA to get together collectively. It's it's kind of a sharing of ideas, best practices. There is an actual formal um, like meeting session where you're voting on certain amendments to the, the PGA Constitution, stuff like that. Um, so it's it's a meaningful time. I mean... Best way to equate it would be like if you had a company with 41 branches and they all got together and took a chance to actually kind of talk collectively um, and, and talk through best practices. I thought it was really well put together. It was my first one uh, going. It was a great week for Illinois. Illinois had, I mean, of the eight winners that you could have, we had three of them uh, in national awards, and we had one special one with uh, – Don Weggers and getting into the PJ Hall of Fame, which I want to say the last person to actually do that from Illinois was at least 20 years ago. Well, before we talk about more of that, I do want to go deeper into the life and career of Don Weggersen and what he's done for the game of golf, just looking at his Illinois Golf Hall of Fame, because it's good to be part of multiple Hall of Fames. That means you've made a difference on a major level. But with his bio, he started his career as a caddy at, on Wencia Club, 1952, upon entering college at Northern Illinois. Shout out Huskies. He began working <laughs> oh, that's why we're doing this. Okay. at the Old Elm Club in where he advanced from front door boy to director of operations in the 46 years he spent there. That's what you talk about. It's kind of that, that growth along the way. And then he was managing partner of the Lakes Golf Club in Virginia, eventually the president and director of golf development for Old Mill Creek Golf Club, a PGA member since 1962. He became a PGA master professional in 1994. All while being a school teacher. This is, I mean, you just keep going. He Crazy. Busy man. He also served on the PGA National Rules Committee, was on the Illinois PGA board from 72 to 87, so that's like shortchanging. So he had he had a role in in creating um, basically the professional golfers um, management program. So the PGM wow. program, uh, which is the basically the unilateral education that you have to go through in order to be a, a PGA member. So keep keep going because there's still a lot. Well, one of the big ones too was the PGA's first T program which you obviously know more about, but did he pretty much get that started in Illinois in yeah, the first he, chapter? he started the Northern Illinois chapter, which then became the Chicago chapter once um, the Illinois PGA Foundation took it over, and then the foundation gave it back to um, another organization that now runs it. Uh, but, yeah, to, I mean, to be a 
the the founder of that. So he retires and then I guess got <laughs> bored after a year and decided to have one of the biggest impacts on junior golf in the state of Illinois ever. Yeah. Like over six thousand kids went through the program of his tenure. That's pretty crazy. That's really cool. And elected to the Northern Illinois University Athletic Hall of Fame in ninety two and had a scholarship named in his honor from the old Elm Club. So we just want to play the interview he had on stage at the event with Amanda Balionis. This is courtesy of the PGA of America. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you very kindly. It feels like you have lear- you've used the golf course as your own personal learning grounds forever, figuring out what age you need to be versus what age you actually are, learning how to drive different cars that did not belong to you, by the way and uh, eventually learning how to run a business. When you think about those early days and all those things you did from a nine-year-old all the way through, what, what sticks out to you the most? Well, when I first started, I, I had to lie, <laughs> what you do a lot of in golf. <laughs> uh, the candy master asked me for a birth certificate and I couldn't come up with one that said 12, so my dad said, why don't we go get you a social security card? So I brought a social security card in and that seemed to work for a while. But the, the best part was when I was 12, I brought in the real birth, the birth certificate and said, now I can prove it. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> you know, that video, my jaw just dropped in terms of the range of accomplishments that you have pursued throughout your career. Is there something in particular that you're most proud of that really stands out to you? Uh, one of the things that's come together in this uh, ceremony is that uh, in the eras that have passed, uh, decades, uh, I have someone representing nearly every decade and uh, keeping me really in, invited in the parts of the game of golf. Mm. Uh, but began in 1960s, right after I was out of college, my wife and I were married, we began a family, uh, I stayed in uh, golf business as an assistant golf professional. Uh, I, uh, I took on a teacher's role as well as coaching two sports. Uh, and during those times, I learned that I still had this passion for golf. And I continued on with my career and took on the characteristic of saying, what can I put back? So the first thing I put back in is what I got out when I got out of golf, out of teaching, which was a pension. At the time, the red, white, and blue program, the PGA was in effect, and a member said, well, why don't you do that? And I said, no, that's not gonna function because I wanna put the opportunity of having a pension into all the employees here. So we were one of the very first clubs to have a pension program for all of the full-time employees. The second phase of that was uh, uh, I, I had the opportunity to start a caddy scholarship program. There were quite a few trophies at Old Elm, and every time a past president would pass on, somebody wanted to put up a trophy for him. And I said, well, why don't we just do a scholarship for one of the boys? And at this point in, in the Old Elm scholarship program, they've handed out over $6 million wow. in the 51 years that the program has wow. been going on. So uh, I could continue on, but I, th- I think you probably have other things that you're really more, more interested in. I, this is unbelievable. I, it seems like 
your passion is always trying to figure out ways to improve the lives of others through the game of golf. And obviously one of the ways you did that was by starting what's now the first tee of Chicago. And I want to know, you, you obviously are so forward thinking and I think ahead of your time and understanding why it's important. Why was it important for you at the time to start this program and how have you seen it grown? Well, I'll backtrack a little bit and say during the 80s, I got involved with the PGA and I saw things coming that I never thought I'd ever see before uh, with the strategic planning that was done. I didn't realize that the PGA didn't have any money. Uh, they, gave us all com they gave us all computers and, and a software program that uh, you couldn't pr uh, practically put your name on a piece of paper with. And then they said, okay, we want you to tell us all about what's in the, your section. So I tried to champion the cause of uh, putting back something in the form of financial support to the section so that they could run computers and run programs and tell the PGA what went on. So that started the, the process of my thinking forward and saying, someplace along the line, I want to give back to the community where I came from. And that was my start uh, just prior, four years prior to my knowing that I needed to retire because my back had given out and uh, I couldn't play as much. I had made uh, a value to myself of wanting to play golf with each member before I retired. And I said, okay, time's up. Uh, I got four years to go. I started a first tee, not a first tee program, but a junior golf program in the city of North Chicago where I grew up, where Hubby Habgen grew up, and also a member of the uh, Hall of Fame. And I got tremendous support. Uh, and when the t opportunity came to join the first tee, I said, we need to do this. So I did the organizational process and uh, formed together the first tee of Northeastern Illinois, the smallest, but one of the most progressive chapters of all the, the uh, first tees of the uh, United States. So I was uh, very compelled. We had over 6,000 students, which basically was a a uh, force of the students from the North Chicago Community School District, but also we averaged about 240 students each Tuesday and Thursday evening and Saturday morning, wow. and a workforce of 140 volunteers, many of whom have never played golf themselves before, including those that wanted to do the life skill portion. So the last part that I did before I retired from First Tee was the, uh, the mentoring process. And, that went along so well that uh, ultimately two years later after I retired, First Tee evolved and went into a partnership with the First Tee of Chicago. You say this in such a nonchalant way, but what you have accomplished throughout your career Thank you. is inspiring, it's incredible, and this, this is so well deserved. I'm so happy that we had a chance to talk to you this evening. Congratulations. Thank you, Thank you Amanda. Andy, we talk about it all the time. You can tell how much his impact, not the fact that he did it and, you know, he's giving himself that kind of credit, but just how much impact you can have on the game of junior golf, and he's more than accomplished that. I think what's, yeah, I think what's special too, and I I, I came away from last week with this with this impression, and I especially, especially got it, you know, just being around somebody like Don or even a lot of our other fellow professionals. When you look back, I mean, just over the last 10 years that I've had, how many people have mentored me in some little way or had a piece in what what I'm doing here or 
people you bounce ideas out of uh, or off of. I mean, the, the, the profession just in general is such a special, special place. And, um, you know, I've taken a lot from just somebody like that. So, I mean, my first, when I came back to the, to the Illinois section in 2014 and I played my first event, um, I remember Don grabbing me and saying, Hey, you know, welcome to the section and you're back to the section, yada, yada, yada. And this is just a, you know, an 80 year old man who was a rules official wanted to know more about me. And then, um, you know, I qualified for the national assistance and one thing led to another, him and I are watching the game one of the world series, uh, for the Cubs, uh, when I was down there for the, for the event and just created a nice special bond. But there's a lot of people that have on top of Don, like that have, have looked out for me. And that's, what's special again about this profession and what I can take from that is helping like me helping Frank help lead Bobby, have Bobby help lead other staff members, having our staff members then help lead, um, you know, kids like on our bag staff. We have two bag staffers right now that are going to PGM universities or enrolling in the PGA program. Uh, that's pretty special. And that's, that's something that you learn from the previous generation. So this whole thing is, you know, it, it creates a lot of meaning for for why you're why you're here. You can just kind of keep mentoring uh, people along the way. He also seems like someone who just kind of goes to battle for the golfers and for Illinois PGA and just his peers. So beyond the relationships, yeah. I mean, I feel there's a, there's always a need to serve, right? I mean, that's why that's why I'm doing what I'm I'm trying to do, and uh, there's there's something to it. I mean, yeah, it's it's a lot of work, extra work on top of what my job is, but, um, it's, it's definitely fulfilling to, to mentor or lead and, and help, help drive, you know, the cause of the PGA, the only PGA. And, you know, look, we know we're, we're proof positive of it. We know that a course or, um, any type of golf facility is better run with a PGA professional in place. And so whatever we can do to help mentor and educate, people that want to get into the business because uh, golf is alive and well and, and it's getting better and better. Um, we're trying to do that to help better the golf experience for everybody. So yeah, there it, it's just this big holistic journey of trying to make golf better for everybody. And that starts with having good, well-educated PGA professionals at your facility. And we talk about, the cliche grow the game in pretty much any sport you could say that but we've talked about the boom of golf as far as the public standpoint and people in general starting to play the game but you mentioned the fact that we have two in the backdrop that are going to PGA you know yeah, yeah. university yeah, either, type either things or, so or getting in the program. that's yep. internal that's really cool yeah yeah so that I mean those are that impact is going to impact their lives for the next, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, hopefully. And uh, that's, that's, that's really cool. But we are the only, we are the only organization, whether we get credit for it or not, that is actually growing the game. We are taking your kids and making them better players. We are taking your game and making you a better player. We are taking care of, you know, your the daily services that go along with a golf course. We are taking care of your, you know, your handicap issues or stuff like that. There are other organizations that take credit for things like that, but we're, we're the organization that drives the bus. 
I love it. And before we go, just because I do want to kind of just end on this and the, the junior golf, we had a big state champion part of our program, and you talk about the growth and getting better and going on to the next step. Yeah, uh, Kaylee, Kaylee Dwyer from uh, Lakeway West. I mean, she's she's an awesome student. It, we shouldn't even take credit for her. I mean, we, we <laughs> as a coach, you never really should take take too much credit for your student. Really, you know, they're – I say this all the time. We, we've got like a bunch of pieces of coal that we're just making into diamonds, right? There's a lot of kids that are good players that come to us or, I'm sorry, good hitters of the golf ball, good putters, good this, good that. And we're creating good players. We're, we're creating, you know, golfers with, with an understanding of, of what to do next on the golf course. And that's the that's the important thing is, is how to just – mold these these kids into becoming golfers um better athletes better golfers better thinkers uh, i i say this a lot like just raising their golf iq is probably the most important thing to me no that makes sense at this point too it's just more of us celebrating their accomplishments and how much i know seeing you guys following their scores and seeing their progress that's pretty exciting for you right there's i mean there's little things that are kind of outside the box that I, I could take credit for. Like she's the type she would stick around. There's a, there's a group of four or five kids and, and it just happened to be like these four or five kids really did well this year. And maybe I will take a little bit of credit for that, but like we would have little putting competitions right at the end of the night, like class is already over. We'd stay for an extra 15, 20 minutes or whatever. And she had her, her partner. I'd have my partner. Somebody else would have their partner. And we would like, battle royale for a cookie skillet right (laughs) and maybe maybe there was a putt from six feet that she thought back into her head in the dome you know this is to to beat up on andy or this is to beat up on um, whoever so those competitions i mean that's what makes cap special the program that we do have is creating those those competitive landscapes only benefits the more times or more reps that you have in a competitive landscape Yes, we're not going to create the exact situation that you'd have in a tournament with with a certain putt or a certain shot, but being in a competitive landscape with your peers or, or basically your competitors as well uh, is only good for your game. Well put. I do want to ask one question before we go. Did you walk up to a group of people that included Jim Nance last week and say, hello, friends? I met Jim Nance. <clears throat> did I send you that picture? No, you did, but I just yeah. want to know if you addressed him as hello friends in a group of people. I didn't, but you know what was cool? <laughs> so when Jim Jim Nance also got inducted into the PGA Hall of Fame, I mean, how do, you, yeah. how do you not induct that guy, right? He's there. He was, like, speechless, which is weird because everything's prepared, and he was he was literally asked questions he didn't see beforehand, and just, like, the, the genuine... He was like speechless. It was it was awesome and, and talked about kind of a lot of people don't know, like his journey to becoming a sportscaster was through golf. He had a golf scholarship, University of Houston, and played on the team with Fred Couples, uh, Blaine McAllister, a couple other guys that made it on tour. And from day one he knew he wasn't good enough at golf and and focused on on being a sportscaster. So he said they do nerdy stuff like him and Fred would sit in the room together. They'd turn the 
turn the TV all the way down and Jim would announce the game. And that's the way he practiced <laughs> and stuff like that. It was just kind of, I don't know, it was super, super cool. But yeah. Um, yeah, plenty of people said hello, friends, that day for sure. No, he seems like a just genuine Tony Romo, person. Tony Romo signed, uh, showed up. That was he did. Cool. Yeah, was, Jim didn't didn't know that he was going to show up, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. like, I get to see you all the he's time. He's right there. I mean, he's like five minutes away. So. <laughs> did you get to say hi to Tony? I did not. I was oh. actually supposed to play golf with Tony. So here's a good sto- here's a good story for the pod. Did I tell you about this? Not this time. No. Okay. So Wednesday night, an old old friend of Mistwood. Mike Baldwin, who a lot of people know that are listening to this. So Mike texts me on Wednesday night and goes, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, well, tomorrow, Thursday in the afternoon, um, you know, it's the annual, it's the actual like annual meeting part where they do all the voting on certain amendments. I can't vote because I'm a secretary. Only the vice president's presidents can vote on this particular vote. And he goes, okay, so um, I was wondering if you could be a fifth in this group. It's going to be me, Romo, Spieth, and Scheffler. I'm not kidding. That was, I have the text. Yeah. I could have been a fifth in that group with two Ryder Cuppers, two major champions, two of the greatest <laughs> in our generation. I get up on Thursday and I'm like, okay, so our tea time would be right around noon. I get up on Thursday. I look at my phone and I just start railing off some expletives because it's 90% chance of rain all day. And then at 9 a.m. I get the the text like, hey, man, we're not going to tee it today. These guys, you know, these guys can play whenever they want. They're just Baldwin's like, these guys are kind of too soft. So <laughs> he uh. goes, they're not going to want to play today. It's like, oh, man. It's almost like a dream group. When am I ever going to get the chance to do that? Yeah. Ever. I mean, man. It, the funny thing was, is like, if if he texted me that any other day from here on out, I'm I'm wheels up. I don't care what it costs. I don't care whatever. I'm, I'm going to play in that group. Yeah. For sure. Um, so, yeah, that was my... That was my Wednesday night. I was so jacked up, so excited. I won't be able to went, sleep. I went to bed early. I didn't, I mean, every night's got a little cocktail session. I didn't even cocktail once. I mean, I was. You're ready I was, to go. I was a good boy. I was ready to go. Yeah. Ready to go. And, mother nature, yeah. man. Yeah, mother nature pulled the rug out from underneath me. Mm. Sorry. Well, we'll leave y'all with that. And <laughs> we look forward to getting back on the mic. In the meantime, get over to. This with Golf Dome. We'll see y'all next time. Get in the cart. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast.